0: This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. A new study published by the Canadian Journal of Fisheries and Aquatic Sciences states that 70% of the samples taken from 56 fish farms had the PRV1 virus. Independent biologist Alexandra Morton explained.
1: The study was my concept and I funded a lot of the analysis and Did a lot of the sampling myself, but it was truly collaborative with Clackwood Action, sampling the farms in Clackwood Sound. An extraordinary man, Dr. Neil Fraser from Powell River, got in his speedboat and went to the Central Coast. The Wildfish Conservancy down in Washington State sampled farms there. So it was a sustained effort by a lot of people. And then Dr. Gideon Mordecai did the analysis of the relationship between the different strains that we picked up.
0: Cortez Currents reached out to Dr. Mordecai, a research associate with the Institute for Oceans and Fisheries at UBC, and the lead author of this paper. He's currently on vacation, but emailed he will be happy to chat after he returns. I also wrote the BC Salmon Farmers Association and was provided with a few immediate observations from Brian Kingsett, their Director of Science and Policy. I also wrote the BC Salmon Farmers Association and Brian Kingsett, the Director of Science and Policy, sent a few immediate responses. I will read some of these out after discussing the findings of the new paper on PRV and have invited the Salmon Farmers Association to submit an op-ed to Cortez Currents. Some of the Discovery Island sites where Morton and her colleagues took samples are within our broadcast area. So I asked Morton for any details she had about Raza Island which is just off the northern tip of Cortez, or the Okasolo Channel, which is between Quadra and Sonora Islands.
1: A lot of this work got done while I was on the Sea Shepherd vessel Martin Sheen because I now had a platform that moved up the coast and we could stop at any farm and didn't have to go home for the night or due to weather. We just were able to go farm to farm to farm. When we arrived in Okasola Channel at the Venture Point Farm owned by Surmac, there were so many fish floating on the surface that I said to the captain, let's just stay here for a while. That's where the collection began. It was very concerning because this was in the summer when the sockeye were returning through that channel and around that channel. I kept calling DFO, their Aquaculture Management Division, which is based right in Campbell River. And various other people, Chief George Quack's sister, Jr., also made calls. Nobody would come out and sample around that farm. Clearly, the fish were in distress. They were dying. They were lying on the surface.
0: The study contains a map which marks all of the farm sites where PRV was found with red dots.
1: When you look at those four red dots in Okasolo, what you see there is that we got PRV from all of those farms which really is not surprising. This is a highly contagious virus, travels well in the water, is very hard to kill. And yes, it infected all those farms as well as Raza. The good news is all those farms are gone. The only farm that is left in Discovery Islands is the red dot sort of under the letter J way up in Johnson Straits in the western edge of the study area. Shaw Point is just not in the DFO map of Discovery Island. So it escaped the decommissioning that the other farms are going through. This risk to all the salmon in this area has been removed. I can see from the sea lice data, because I've been down there in 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, counting sea lice on the juvenile salmon migrating through there. You could see the sea lice have vanished and I can't see the virus. I'm hoping that, with the removal of the farms, the exposure to this virus has been greatly reduced for all these populations in that area.
0: Can you give me a summary of the findings for this paper?
1: Yes. First of all, we had to figure out a way to sample viruses from salmon farms in the face of the obstruction that the industry puts around this kind of research. They don't allow you to access their fish. I have done research in the past where I have accessed farm salmon from supermarkets in British Columbia, but you never know exactly what farm they're coming from. So I figured out that if you take a small aquarium net, which is a very fine mesh, and you circle the farm slowly, you can find the bits of rotting flesh and scales and feces, that are coming out of these farms. Literally tons are coming out, and so it's not that hard to pick some of it up. We did that from Southern Puget Sound to the Central Coast of British Columbia, including both sides of Vancouver Island. It was a highly collaborative effort with a number of groups, and then we sent the viruses for analysis. We screened for the Norwegian virus, Piscine orthoreovirus, or PRV, and there were three, four really big findings, one, most of the farms where we actually got samples for shedding the virus. This is a concern because as I was readying my net to dip these little pieces of flesh out of the water, there were many circumstances where juvenile wild salmon or herring went after the same piece that I was going after and got it. This suggests that the virus is being carried beyond the tenure of the farms. I don't know what happens when a herring, for example, eats an infected piece of farm salmon. Does it actually begin to replicate or hurt the fish, or does it just become a carrier? We don't know this, but we do know that it's being eaten and that these fish are free to move beyond the tenures. The genetic analysis of all the virus samples suggests that This virus is originating in the hatcheries of the salmon farming companies. There
0: was a distortion in the next sentence, so I'm going to insert the garbled word.
1: Farm sites that were widely separated but owned by the same company had viral sequences that were very similar. And this suggests it came from the hatchery, not from the wild environment. Secondly, we found this virus is mutating. It's from Norway, but it's mutating in British Columbia, which is no surprise. Salmon farms are feedlots and feedlots give viruses an extraordinary opportunity to mutate because the hosts are so densely packed together. The virus jumps fish to fish, but also there's no predators in the farms to remove the sickest, most contagious fish, the ones that are shedding the virus. The virus is shed from the moment of infection and replication in the fish to the actual moment that it dies, which can take a long time as the fish just waste away. It was one more finding that's disturbing, but we don't know what it means. The PRV in the Chinook farms in Tiloquia territory off of Tofino, matched the virus in Chinook hatcheries in the Columbia River. This raises a number of issues. One, it suggests the virus is mutating to adapt to Chinook salmon. We know from research in these farms, in interloquia territory, they're owned by creative salmon, we know that the virus is getting into the red blood cells of Chinook salmon, and as it replicates, it fills the cells and causes them to explode. Overwhelming the fish with hemoglobin and then causing jaundice. So the fish actually turn yellow. This is research that DFO scientist Dr. Christy Miller has been working on for a long time, but through industry and DFO, that research has been blocked from publication. So it's a very sensitive issue. And to find the same virus in a Chinook hatchery in the Columbia, and this was not just our finding, we just verified research that has been done by others, either there's communication between this hatchery in the Columbia River and the creative salmon farms, maybe they're getting eggs from there, maybe genetic material is going back to the hatchery. We don't really know. We know this does go on up in the Yukon, the Yukon Chinook were the first Chinook used to stock the Creative Salmon Farms. And we know from news articles and from internal DFO documents that sperm from the Creative Salmon Chinook was sent back to the Yukon. And coincidentally, the Yukon Chinook are collapsing and nobody knows why. And I've been trying to contact First Nations there to suggest they screen for PRV, but so far, it's just too volatile subject. The other potential is that Chinook migrating from the Columbia are somehow picking up this virus selectively. The Teloquiate farms have one strain, but the Ahouset Atlantic salmon farms have a slightly different strain. I don't know why the Columbia are picking up the Teloquiate strain versus the Ahouset, but in any case, it's a Norwegian virus and it's up to no good.
0: A spokesperson for the B.C. Salmon Farmers Association emailed, quote, We've not had time to have fish health professionals review the paper, unquote. She nevertheless provided some immediate responses from Brian Kingsett, their Director of Science and Policy, quote, The authors sampled biological material around salmon farms for an endemic virus we would expect to find everywhere in the ocean, that they had no control sampling locations to compare, unquote. It has been 18 months since Dr. Mordecai, Dr. Christy Miller from DFO's Pacific Biological Station in Nanaimo, and a dozen other scientists from UBC, the Pacific Biological Station, and Pacific Salmon Foundation published a study suggesting that salmon farms could be transmitting PRV to wild salmon populations. At that time, Dr. Mordecai told Cortez Currents, Our findings show that salmon farms are indeed a source of infection for wild fish. Viruses leave a genetic fingerprint, and the genetic fingerprint shows that the same viruses that are in the farms are in the wild fish. All the evidence suggests that the virus is being transmitted from the farm to wild fish, and I haven't seen any evidence which says that's not happening. Kingshead claims the strain of PRV found in British Columbia has not been shown to have negative effects on wild or farmed salmon, and the authors of the present report are making unfounded conclusions. Quote, the work on whether the virus is mutating is new and poorly supported, but the authors jump to giant conclusions that this is the result of aquaculture. Additionally, what the paper concludes and the claims that Morton is making on her social media about the paper do not line up. A quick comparison of the main points from the paper and what Morton said during our interview suggests the alleged difference may be one of opinion rather than fact. For example, the paper states... Quote, we collected biological samples adjacent to 56 net pens from five different companies and two farm salmon processing plants. 70% of samples were positive for piscine orthoreovirus 1. Morton said,
1: we collected biological samples adjacent to 56 marine net pens from five different companies. So that's Cermac, Maui, Grieg creative salmon, and Cook aquaculture in Washington State. 70% of these samples were positive for PRV1.
0: The paper also states, quote, we differentiated the sample types by buoyancy. Unidentified biological material, feces-like, and scales were suspended below the surface, while biological material floating on the surface was categorized as lipid-like. Samples were typically less than five millimeters in any dimension, and hence material from each site was pooled within vials to provide a sufficient amount, approximately 0.1 gram of material for testing, unquote.
1: So the vast majority of these farms are shedding the virus into the marine environment, but they're doing it in these tasty packages of flesh, but also scales and feces. This is attracting wild fish and observations that I made during these collections was that the wild are darting after these bits of flesh. So are the seagulls. So I don't know what it's doing in the seagull's body. The seagulls have warm blood, so perhaps nothing. But is it sticking to the feathers as they move off and land? It means that the virus is finding ways to spread beyond what the currents are already doing.
0: The following text also agrees with Morton. recent studies with access to farm salmon found that certain infectious agents, including PRV-1, are detected in freshwater hatcheries, and these are likely translocated to the marine environment via transfer of fish from infected hatcheries into marine farms. But the paper goes on to state, quote, there is a minimal sequence data available of PRV-1 from hatcheries, but geonomic Surveillance of PRV in B.C. salmon farms could help to determine the source of infection, as similar lineages of PRV would be expected in farms stocked from the same hatcheries. The alternative hypothesis is that PRV is transmitted from the marine environment, either via wild fish or other nearby farms, to net pens. Where the infection then spreads within the farm, the issue remains uncertain because there is little publicly available data on the infection rate in hatcheries, unquote. There's more room for alternate explanations in that statement. I look forward to interviewing lead author, Dr. Gideon Mordecai, when he returns.
1: It's extraordinary to me that in the efforts to restore wild salmon, that there has not been more focus on pathogens. It just seems a natural thing to investigate, particularly when high water temperature is rising and it is a stressor. So it makes fish that are infected even weaker and more likely to succumb to the virus. Now, I have to say that prior to salmon farming on this coast, people were quite open about pathogens. There was a Dr. Wolf that wrote about, for example, the spread of the IHN virus from enhancement hatcheries into the wild. It was openly talked about because people wanted to deal with it. They wanted to stop this. But since the salmon farming industry has come on scene, literally salmon health in terms of pathogens has become a state secret. When I first started sampling for viruses, enhancement hatcheries related to DFO were instructed not to provide samples to me. And this is strange because I was testing for viruses. I would provide them with the results. This is expensive work that I was willing to do for free for them so that they could move forward and respond to try to remove these pathogens from their facilities. You can't pick up a salmon anymore and put it in a hatchery and be confident that you're not bringing PRV or the tenastobaculum bacteria or other pathogens that are being amplified from these farms. To put it bluntly, the waters of British Columbia have been somewhat weaponized against wild salmon by this Superloading of pathogens that they just have not evolved to live with, to survive. And uh, the salmon farming industry was <laughs> vehemently against this sort of concept, but it doesn't matter what they say. We know that both native pathogens and foreign pathogens are in these farms and that these populations of Atlantic salmon do not exist on this coast. Number one, we don't have Atlantics, but number two, salmon move and they are honed by predators every day of their life from the moment the egg leaves the mother's body there's a predator for any salmon that is weak and that just keeps their population healthy and so the salmon farms don't do that some people have asked me about this mutation that we're seeing arise in the prv in british columbia and whether it is a more virulent strain. We don't know that. We don't have the kind of research going on that, of course, was applied to COVID that tells you exactly what portion of the virus mutated and is it attached to the cells? What is that mutation doing? We don't know that. What we do know from an enormous body of research is that when you allow viruses to mutate in feedlot environments, you are selecting for higher virulence. The reason is simple. In the farms there is no long-term potential prospects for any pathogen all the fish are going to die in a certain day and that is picked by the company not by the health of the fish the fish isn't going to migrate it isn't going to go up a river it isn't going to spawn it's just going to grow to a certain size and it's dead the whole live lightly on your host that wild pathogens use doesn't work in a salmon farm. There's so many other pathogens competing for that host that the better strategy is just come out hard, replicate as fast as you can, which means higher virulence, and try to spread in the short window of opportunity that they have on these fish. So, of course, it's concerning that the virus is mutating in British Columbia, which it has already done in Norway. We have an early model of PRV, a less virulent strain. It is causing disease, which DFO and the companies want to say it's not, but the evidence is too great. It is causing heart damage in fish. We are going to see virulence happen here because it's so careless what's going on in these farms. There's just this remarkable decision that has happened. Washington State has closed all their salmon farms and those fish have to be out by the middle of December. And the First Nations in Seychelles Inlet on the same day, interestingly, did the same thing. The Discovery Islands is now clear except for the one farm. Most of the farms are out of the Broughton Archipelago due to the enormous efforts of most of the First Nations in the Broughton Archipelago. That means Salmon from the Fraser River, from Washington State, and from East Vancouver Island rivers are migrating without exposure to salmon farm pathogens until they get to Port Hardy. And then there's a bunch of farms And the Central Coast. There's a bunch of farms. The same thing is not happening on the West Coast of Vancouver Island. All of the nations there that have salmon farms uh, have signed agreements with these companies, and they're going to allow the industry to continue.
0: This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.